Well, good morning. So here we are to talk about Sabbath. Why talk about Sabbath? I mean, isn't this one of those things that it would just be better to do? Like to just announce that classes are canceled for the rest of the day and you guys can just practice Sabbath? I suppose that's not totally practical. So, as we were talking about what we wanted to do today, we actually seriously had a conversation about how we might be able to convey the, the beauty of Sabbath, the wonder of Sabbath. So, we had a serious conversation about coming in our pajamas, um, but then we decided maybe that wouldn't be best, so here we are. But please know, we are wearing pajamas in our hearts. <laughs> so, why talk about Sabbath? Because Isaac asked us to. Okay, here's another reason. Okay. I think people today are obsessed with stuff. We love our stuff. We buy more stuff, we collect our stuff, we, we take these things and we carry them around with us from place to place. Abraham Heschel calls uh, this stuff our thinginess. And he says it's, it's our thinginess that leads us to be obsessed with things of space. He thinks we prefer that because time is sort of intangible and actually a little bit scary. And so because we're afraid of time, we would prefer to just hold on to our things. But here's something interesting. Way back at the beginning, Genesis chapter one and two, God created the world in six days. And then it says, and on the seventh day, he rested, he stopped, he blessed the day and made it holy. I think for the rest of us, we would sort of prefer that, that God makes a, uh, our things holy, but right at the beginning, God chose to make a time holy. Maybe, maybe there's a sense in which God making that time holy sets some sort of a sacred rhythm to all of creation, even to our lives. And maybe part of the problem with our culture is that we've lost any sense of rhythm, any sense of a cadence or a beat or a pattern to life. So we hold on to our things and our thinginess and we just crash headlong from one day into the next. Sabbath is a way for us to clear up the confusion. It's a way for us to position ourselves to hear the voice of God. In fact, here's what we've come to say today. We believe that Sabbath sets a theological rhythm for our lives. Much like a metronome, right, helps keep a musician playing in time, so I think Sabbath can help us learn to listen to God's rhythms. Now, it is not a cure-all for all that ails us, but I really think in our culture, we need to hear this word, especially in this series on obedience. We need to hear these words. So today, we just wanna have a conversation, just a dialogue together that you all can listen in on. And we wanna talk about three things that have been helpful for us as we've sort of wrestled through with Sabbath in our own lives. And, and our prayer is that this might be just an invitation to you to enter into this time as well. So here's the first thing that we have come to say. Sabbath helps us know how to count. 
The first time the word Sabbath is used in all of the Bible is in Exodus chapter 16, verse 23. A little bit of background might help us understand what's happening there. You see, the Israelites uh, were in Egypt for 400 years. Towards the end of that time, they were serving under the harsh taskmaster named Pharaoh. In our culture, we consider it kind of a basic human right that people should get time off, even weekends and holidays. And so it's a little bit hard for us to envision a world where that wasn't the case. But I do not think it's an exaggeration to say that the Israelites worked seven days a week almost never getting a day off. I mean, just read Exodus chapter five. Pharaoh is insatiable. And yet, that's just the beginning of the story, right? God steps in with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He moves his people out of the land of Egypt. And then they get into the wilderness. They grumble because they're thirsty. God provides water. They grumble because they're hungry. God provides manna. But this is what he says. He says, I'm gonna rain down bread from heaven. You're gonna go out and gather that, much like you gathered the straw for your bricks in Egypt. Six days you're gonna do that, but then on the seventh day, you're not going to go out and gather because there won't be any bread there. So what you gather on the sixth will last you for two days. And then he says this, because the seventh day is a stopping, a Shabbat, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. I could just imagine some guy like nudging his wife, he's like, hey, What's a Shabbat? Did I miss something? He didn't miss anything. God never told him what it was or why he was to do it. Just stop. But for a newly redeemed people in search of a new identity and a new calendar, this seems to serve several purposes. One, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven. Then you do it all over again. Sabbath teaches us how to count. So, John, why don't we tell them a little bit about how we got into Sabbath? This is actually a pretty funny conversation. When we sat down to prepare for this, we did not agree about when we started Sabbath. I think we started Sabbath after we moved back from the States, but John claims that we started practicing it a little bit before that. So I'm going to let him tell his side of the story first. (laughs) So uh, we lived for uh, several years in the Middle East, and our first few years there, I was a workaholic. I... Um, had it in my mind that if I wasn't doing something productive for every minute of my day, I was wasting my time, wasting my life even. And so I'd wake up early in the morning and I'd, I'd do as much as I can. I'd go to work, working a couple jobs even, uh, trying, trying to uh, make things work, right? To come home, try to help out however I could uh, with April and our young kids. Uh, and then at night, I'd go out and hang out with some guys and try to spend time with them and share with them and get to bed late, wake up early the next morning, and I'd do it all again the next day. Just like this, over and over and over and over again, seven days a week. I went until I was exhausted. And frankly, I was bitter and dangerously close to burnout. I had become my own Pharaoh. And I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was at the urging of some personal and literary mentors that I decided, you know what? I wonder if I just like took a day off. Like what if I just didn't work for one day? It was a crazy idea. <laughs> uh, and it was actually really hard, but I did it. And that one shift, that one change that I would just take a day off, I think changed the trajectory of our time living overseas. I can honestly say, I think we would have come back years sooner had it not been for the practice of Sabbath. At least for me, it helped teach me how to count. For me, moving back to the States was my breaking point. 
so we had to start life all over again. We were adjusting again to American culture. I was homeschooling a kindergartner. I was pregnant. I was trying to grieve the life overseas that we had just left. And I didn't even have enough emotional space to grieve and move forward like I needed to because there literally the to-do list was, oh, it was constant. There was never even time to stop. Like I was really in a bad place. <clears throat> but then I found Sabbath. Now. What I mean by that is at this point, it just became a conversation between us on how do I do less like John had already started to do. Seems pretty impossible when you have small children, but we just intentionally started to ask the question, well, what does rest look like for me? And then, how, okay, how do we make that happen? Or how do we at least get as close to that as we can? It's one thing when John just doesn't go into work for the day, but it's an, a different thing entirely when you want your whole family to do it. I mean, what happens when mama says yes to Sabbath? So even with us limiting where the toys could be and keeping them in the bedrooms so that the living room could be our sacred space to rest, goodness, those kids can make a mess. So it becomes kind of the joke in our family that the messier our house gets, the harder we Sabbath. Some people like to party hard, but in the care house, we Sabbath hard. Anyway, what started for John not going into work for one day has developed into this really beautiful rhythm for us that I think has helped to redeem my mental and my physical health. Um, we Sabbath now on Saturdays, Friday night to Saturday night, and it's become the regular cadence for our family. We know that we can face what's coming because Sabbath is, or Sabbath is coming. We often remind ourselves, Sabbath is coming. And sometimes that's on Sunday mornings, but it's still true. And this is our rhythm. We can make it through whatever the week is going to bring because we know a day of rest is coming. And we're able to face what's coming the next week because we have rested. We work for six days, and on the seventh day, we rest. We've learned how to count. Yeah. So here's the second thing that we think Sabbath does. Sabbath helps us remember who is in charge. Let's take, for example, the first time that Sabbath is given to the Israelites as part of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, it's a command to remember. It's easy to forget Sabbath. Why? I don't know. I think it's a really great day. But we are forgetful people. <clears throat> and so God tells them, he says, remember, don't forget the Sabbath. And then he tells them why. He says they should honor the Sabbath because he created in six days and then he rested on the seventh. So he's created this divine pattern for life that he wants them to follow. You work for six days and then you rest on the seventh. So in doing this, we take our place as creatures before the creator God. We find our proper place in resting in Sabbath and we remember that we're not better than God. I think when we first started, whenever we did start, um, practicing Sabbath. For me, it was just to get a day off. But I think as with all invitations that God invites us to, it's more rich and full and has a beautiful purpose than just not working for one day of the week. It's a way of arranging our lives to say yes to this invitation. It's not just a day of stopping or abstaining. 
What happens when we say yes is we align ourselves to God's divine rhythm that he has set. Ruth Haley Barton says that Sabbath honors work and rest, fruitfulness and dormancy, giving and receiving, being and doing, activism and surrender. So we honor all of God's created rhythms as we practice Sabbath. It's a day of taking our place as creature before the gentle knowing hand of the creator. So here's something I find really interesting. So the 10 words are given in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 24, the covenant is confirmed. Exodus 25 to 31 then, all give the details on the building of the tabernacle, the, the dimensions, altars, fragrances, everything like that. In that one section, there's actually seven different times that it says, and God spoke or and God said. Do you know what the seventh of those instructions is? It says this, Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 and 13. The Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, or even in light of everything else that I've told you, keep my Sabbaths. And then in Exodus chapter 35, once the tabernacle instructions start up again, guess what begins that whole section? It's the Sabbath. It's almost like God is saying, as important in the history of the world that the tabernacle project might be, it's not more important than the Sabbath. On the seventh day, stopping is more important than doing. But here's something else. That verse goes on to say in Exodus 32 or uh, 31 verse 13. It says, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, am making you holy. That one word in Hebrew, making you holy, is the same word used back in the 10 words of what we're supposed to do to the day. In other words, we make the day holy, and that is supposed to remind us that God makes us holy. I wonder if there's not a connection between us stopping on the day and then God doing something within us. I don't know about you, but I tend to find that it's in moments of inactivity that I find my own insufficiency to be felt most tangibly. And sometimes I, I think that place of insufficiency is exactly where God wants us. Sabbath is a way for us to graciously live within the order of things if we're willing to acknowledge our limits and actually listen to the invitation for rest. It's a gentle way that God provides for us to live in humility. I mean, our bodies need rest, and Sabbath honors that. Our spirits need to be renewed, and Sabbath honors that. Our souls need space to honor God for God's own sake, and Sabbath honors that. It truly is amazing that God in his goodness would give us a day that does all of that. I think he really loves us. This humility and awareness that we are the creatures then provides a framework for us that we take throughout the week. But it started for us when we were asking the questions of, okay, well, what is okay to do and not do on the Sabbath? So for example, do we let our kids do sports that have games on the Sabbath? Can we go to birthday parties we've invited to? What if we wanna go out to eat? Or what if we wanna go shopping? Well, we can't say, <laughs> we can't say yes to everything because our bodies need rest. And that's okay because God's in charge. Yeah, I think the thing, even just as you were listing those different 
questions we're asking ourselves. The reality is like we come to the place where we feel like, you know what, we're a couple of introverts and not many of those things really feel like best for us. So <laughs> the answer to most of them becomes no, we can't do that on Sabbath. So uh, we end up just spending a lot of time in our pajamas, right? Uh, uh, we, we sleep a lot on Sabbath. We drink our coffee slowly. Yes. We just hang out around the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read books. We play games. Um, sometimes I like to bake. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes April. also. Yeah. So we just we pay attention to the things that give us life, and then we tend to, to lean into those a little bit more. Now, that doesn't mean that we never, ever do any sort of work on the Sabbath. I had a professor in grad school who used to say, we have a saying around our house on the Sabbath, the ox is in the well. It sounds like something Jesus would say, right? Okay, so it's pretty close to something Jesus said. Um, but here's the idea, right? If your ox falls in the well on Sabbath, of course, go and get the ox out, right? Sometimes things are going to come up. There's going to be emergencies. You're going to have to break Sabbath, and that's okay. But those moments become the exception and not the rule. And the world still goes on. I mean, in our humanness, we cannot do everything. We have to be able to rest. And that's okay because God's the one is in charge, and we're the creatures that honor rest. But there's also this incredible mystery that's part of Sabbath, something that I mean, we've been practicing this for almost six years now, and I don't know how this happens. But as I take a day where I acknowledge that I am not God, and I do my human thing and rest, sanctification happens. There's something to not doing and surrendering that day that allows God for, to do what he desires for my soul. And so it's a productive rest me surrendering that day actually moves me forward in all regards, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. The mystery is that because I'm saying yes to God's set rhythm, that I come out of that day with a greater capacity. I can do more now in six days than I ever could do or handle in seven. This is truly a work of God. And we remember who's in charge. Sabbath also helps us remember what's important. So, in a message on Deuteronomy 5, we finally come to Deuteronomy chapter 5. <clears throat> now, as you've been hearing all semester, right, uh, this is the second time we get this list of 10 words. They occur first in Exodus 20, and really almost a verbatim repetition of those in Deuteronomy chapter 5, all except for the Sabbath command. In fact, there's more changes with the Sabbath command than any other one. Just just take a look here at the differences between the two texts. Uh, There are a lot of ways that that Deuteronomy 5 tweaks or changes the Exodus 20 Sabbath command. So here's the question. Why? Well, I have a theory. You're like, of course you have a theory. (laughs) I think in Exodus chapter 20, the people... They, they needed to learn to remember the day. But now, after 40 years of stopping once a week in the wilderness, they got the habit down, right? And now, remember, they're on the brink of the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They're about to experience more abundance than they could ever possibly imagine. At this point... I think the danger is not so much that they would fail to remember the day. The danger is that they would remember the day and forget the reason God gave it to them, 
right? And so Moses tells them, he says, guard, protect the Sabbath day. Let it do what it was always intended to do. Let it be a reminder that, that your, your living in this land is a gift, just like your freedom is a gift. But then he goes on to say, now you remember, there's the remember word, right? It's not remember the day, it's remember that you were slaves. But they weren't. I mean, maybe a handful of them were, but remember, the the people who walked out of Egypt, they've all died off in the wilderness over the last 40 years, that entire generation. So why would Moses look at these, these new, this new generation and say to them, remember that you were slaves in Egypt? I think it's the same reason he does multiple things like this throughout Deuteronomy. He wants them to remember the Exodus story is actually their story. And this has to happen with each new generation of believers. They have to come to believe that God's salvation is just as real for them as it was for their forefathers. And so Moses says, you remember that you were slaves in Egypt and and you're remembering the past should change everything about what you do in the future. In other words, by remembering who you were and where you were, It helps you frame up the rest of your week. It teaches you how to live the next six days of your life. You begin to say, yes, I'm going to love the Lord my God with everything that I have. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Sabbath helps us remember what's really important. Now, surely a conversation about Sabbath in a context like this wouldn't be complete without asking the question, didn't Jesus get rid of the Sabbath? So I'll try to answer that question relatively quickly. No. (laughs) As I read the Gospels, Jesus rested. (laughs) Jesus took a Sabbath. Like he regularly stopped. His disciples regularly rested. Now, Jesus also seems to have chosen the Sabbath day as his favorite day on which to annoy the religious leaders, right? (laughs) And he was always pushing the boundaries, but the purpose of it was always not to get rid of the Sabbath, but to try to help people remember what the Sabbath was really for in the first place. What does he say? The Sabbath was made for man. Jesus' goal was not to trash the gift. It was to restore the Sabbath to its rightful place. Now, other texts, like Romans 14, verses 4 and 5, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, they talk about not letting anyone judge you on the basis of a day or even on the basis of a Sabbath. And I think it's very likely that, that Paul has in mind here actually the weekly observance of Sabbath. But notice, he doesn't say, so get rid of the Sabbath altogether. It seems what he's saying is, don't let anyone judge you based on the Sabbath and, and don't judge anyone else on that basis either. So what does this mean for us then? Do we have to keep the Sabbath? Well, I suppose it might just help for us to remember where this falls. It falls in the list of 10 words given to the people of Israel in order that they might know how to live the good life. And if it's, if it's a shadow, perhaps then there's a sense in which it can actually point us forward to the body, the substance of Jesus himself. Now, I have to remember that whenever I want to lean into my legalistic tendencies, 
and start telling other people how they have to observe Sabbath, Jesus might have some strong words for me. But I also think this, in our current climate, I'm convinced that observing Sabbath is, is one of the most redemptive, restorative, countercultural, subversive acts of resistance that a Christian can practice. Sabbath is an invitation for us to live life in the kingdom of God now. It's a weekly invitation for us to respond to God's grace and say yes to the rich, full life that he has for us. Our lives become full of all the good things because we have to prioritize to fit it all into six days. It's a really wonderful rhythm. In fact, for us practicing Sabbath has led to some other really great rhythms like giving each other a day of solitude once a month and also making sure we get yearly retreats. All because Sabbath has really whet our appetite to have that uninterrupted time with God more and more. So friends, we have two challenges for you today. One of them you can probably already see it coming. We're gonna challenge you to practice Sabbath for one day a week over the next six weeks while you're still here on campus. Would you say yes to this invitation to rest? We know that for some of you this is gonna be really hard. Some of you have really busy schedules. We didn't have work on the weekends, but we had small children and can't really take a break from changing diapers or feeding them. And so some intentional thought and planning really is required. I mean, there's a reason they call the day before Sabbath the day of preparation. So for us, we try to get a vision of what we want the Sabbath to look like. For example, candles lit, music playing, maybe some chai tea for all of us to enjoy and a huge stack of library books. Again, we're pretty nerdy. But then I have to figure out, okay, I gotta work back in the week, how do I make that happen? So if Wednesday is grocery day, that's when I make sure I have everything for chai. And if Friday's looking really full, then I need to make sure that I get to the library on Thursday. So you can see how you really have to prioritize what goes into your week because you're always working towards Sabbath. Anyway, we also want you to aim for a 24-hour period for Sabbath. Now, for some of you, it might be easier for you to start small, and if you need to do that, by all means, there's grace to do so. But there's something to a 24-hour period that I think really optimizes the gift of Sabbath. It takes our bodies a while to let down and even rest, and so we want you to try to get to a 24-hour period. The second challenge is this. Would you take some time to reflect on your Sabbath experience? One, this is gonna help you improve your Sabbath rest in the future, but it's also gonna give you an awareness of what this is doing to your well-being. And it doesn't have to be complicated or long. In fact, just five minutes where you write it out or you create a video journal or even just share other, you know, your Sabbath stories with other people who are trying to practice Sabbath. You know, in the first century, I think people needed to hear that the Sabbath was made for men because they flipped it, right? They'd really started to think that man was made for Sabbath. In our day and age, I'm not sure we buy either one of those anymore. Well, for sure, the man was not made for Sabbath, but why was the Sabbath made? I don't know. It feels kind of silly, really. And so I think what's happened is our avoidance of sacred time has caused us to lose the theological rhythm to life. 
And so often we find ourselves just rushing from one thing to the next, from one post to the next, from one assignment to the next, from one worry to the next. We are so obsessed with our things that we avoid thinking about time altogether, never slowing down long enough to let God's good work happen within us. And so, brothers and sisters, if Sabbath sets the theological rhythm to our lives, maybe wisdom looks like starting to slow down and starting to stop. Let's pray. So Jesus, we honor the Sabbath by honoring the Lord of the Sabbath who sets the rhythm for our lives. We surrender our consumerism, our selfishness, our anxiety, allowing your sacred time to set us free. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.